the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Your fingertips. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us for the Bob France Authority at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 29th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Coming up on the program in about a half an hour, maybe a little less, we're going to talk to Congressman Jim Jordan. He is on his way now, I understand it, to Salina, Ohio, uh, which of course is one of the many regions or many areas in uh, in the region the broader region both of of Ohio and really of course of course uh, across the midwest Oklahoma just absolutely slammed by torrential flooding as well as uh, uh tornado activity Kansas devastation there as well Ohio has been hit by it now and um Congressman Jordan is down there to survey the damage and to uh find out a little bit more about what's going on in Salina. So that, uh, I don't think he's there yet. I was talking to his uh, coordinator, Ian, and I think he's on his way there now. We will probably talk to him before he arrives. So we won't be able to get a first-hand update about what's going on there. But we will talk to the congressman about a host of other issues on Capitol Hill uh, that are of, uh, of great importance, obviously. Now, as it pertains to the tornadoes and to people who have been suffering from the rash of severe weather uh this uh late spring um obviously our prayers and our thoughts and our best wishes go to everyone who is suffering through that right now property damage uh perhaps even injuries um uh, of course there have been fatalities in some of these tornadoes across the midwest i mean obviously it's just a horrific thing and we want to make sure that we all send up our prayers of love and support for everyone and also um if you happen to have relatives <clears throat> In our listening area, if you are, if you, let me rephrase, if you are in our listening area and you happen to have relatives who are down in Salina and uh, you have an idea of what is going on down there and you would like to share with us, by all means, please let us know uh, firsthand if you can what's going on because that's uh, apparently the hardest hit. 
uh, in the state, and uh, and certainly we want to give it its due attention. So phone lines, 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers will, of course, get you in. And if you would like to send messages to me on this matter or others, you can do so on Twitter and Facebook. As much as I despise the platforms, we will use them to our benefit if we can. Twitter and Facebook, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, one word, all sp- uh, no spaces, no underscores. All one word, France Radio, and I will read some of the best uh, tweets there. Or best message, messages, rather, there. All right, a lot of news to get into today. Holy goodness gracious, did Clarence Thomas let loose. Justice, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, an American hero, to say the very least. Just simply one of the very, very best, most reliable, conservative, and by conservative I mean constitutional, which is what his job calls for, justices on the court, arguably in the history of the court. And he let loose yesterday. Uh, up uh, as the Supreme Court upheld part of an Indiana law requiring aborted infants to be cremate, cremated or buried after an abortion, which is the good news. Uh, the court did not go constitutional or conservative on the larger ruling on abortion by deciding not to weigh in on whether a child can be aborted because of their race, their sex, or their disability. Justice Thomas wrote a concurring opinion in which he addressed the pro-death movement, pro, pro-abortion or pro-choice, if you want to be uh, a little bit softer about it, uh, and quite frankly, less than accurate, we'll call it pro-death movements, well-known history with eugenics and how the Supreme Court's decision not to rule on the Indiana statute leaves open the question as to whether or not eugenic abortions are protected by the Constitution. This is Margaret Sanger's, it's going to sound strange to say this, this is a term that is often used in business, this is Margaret Sanger's baby. This is Margaret Sanger's baby that she does not want aborted. This is Margaret Sanger, the, the mother of eugenics, the mother of Planned Parenthood, the mother of millions of aborted and butchered babies. Uh, this is her baby. And again, I use that term in the, uh, in the business sense. When somebody talks about a project uh, that is being opened up or a business is being opened up, it's somebody's baby, somebody's business idea. Anyway, um, Clarence Thomas really, really, really went all in on this, drawing, by the way, the scorn of RBG, who's proving that she's not dead yet. Ruth Bader Ginsburg arguing on behalf of murdering babies by their race and by their ethnicity and so on and so forth, by their sex, uh, arguing with Clarence Thomas. I'm going to share that story with you uh, coming up. But I want to start with presidential politics, and I want to do that because of the man that you just heard, Hugh Hewitt. And by the way, you've heard Hugh's voice over the last couple of days, getting a little bit raw, a little bit rough. He's uh, uh, not feeling exceptionally well. He's going to take tomorrow to heal that up, and I will be in for Hugh Hewitt on tomorrow's program. But it's his writing that I want to focus on now because this is important. What a brilliant piece that he wrote for the Washington Post. Hugh Hewitt wrote, and this ran yesterday, The Searing Self-Destructive Disdain of the Left. Now, what is their self-destructive disdain of? It's not of Donald Trump so much. The true advantage that Donald Trump is going to have in the 2020 re-election cycle, if he can avoid being impeached, is the uh, destructive disdain the left has for Trump voters. That's the thesis of Hughes' piece in the Washington Post. And I don't know if you heard him talking about it much in the uh, program that just wrapped, but I did, and I want to read this to you. It's very rare that I'll read an article in its entirety on the air, but I think this is worth the time. Because you 
are hated. I am hated. I am reviled. I am mocked. I am derided. I am criticized. We all are if we are Trump supporters. And you know what that does to us? (laughs) It galvanizes us. It drives us further in our efforts to reelect the president. It unites us. It motivates us. It's bulletin board material. Anybody who's ever played sports in their life, probably all sports, I guess, but certainly, most certainly, football. Anybody who's ever heard somebody on the other side trash-talking your team It's called bulletin board material. It gets pinned up on the bulletin board in the locker room so you can see what your opponent thinks of you. And it's used oftentimes, psychologically deployed by coaches to motivate you to want to go out there and annihilate your opponent. That's what Hughes' piece in the Washington Post is all about. The searing, self-destructive disdain of the left and their contempt for ordinary Americans who support Donald Trump, like you and me. We're treated the same way, but worse, in in the same manner, let's put it that way, in the same manner, but worse, than people who supported George W. Bush. In the same manner that the left, through the media primarily, treated those who supported Ronald Reagan. They despise us, and they can't stop themselves from telling us that they despise us. And all that does is drive us and and motivate us uh, and and further our cause to make sure that we do indeed reelect the President of the United States. Hugh wrote a wonderful piece on this that I'm going to share with you after this time out. It's 916. You can join me at 216-901-0945. Right back on AM 1420, The Answer, after this. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. All right, it is 921. Again, good Wednesday to you. Thank you for joining us. Congressman Jim Jordan will join me at about 935 to talk about a host of things, including James Comey's op-ed, why Clapper, Brennan, and Comey are running scared from William Barr, and why it is that the left is suddenly so married to uh, the idea of of uh, opaqueness as opposed to transparency, why they oppose the president's uh, order for William Barr to declassify almost every Russian document, every document related to the Russia probe, rather, so that all Americans can see exactly what the FBI and the intelligence communities were up to when they were spying on American citizens without proper cause. Uh, they don't want you to hear that. They don't want you to see that. It's quite an amazing turn of events. We're also going to talk to him about the uh, war drums that are being sounded or being beaten by some as it pertains to the ongoing aggressiveness of Iran. So uh, we'll talk to the congressman about those matters coming up. But I want to share, as I said, this piece from the Washington Post. I wouldn't normally read you anything from the Washington Post because most of it is dribble. It is, uh, it's tripe. It is something that is not worthy of our time and attention. It's just biased, non- nonstop, anti-Trump journalism. But this one is written by Hugh Hewitt, of course, uh, and it's brilliant. Uh, it's the searing, self-destructive disdain of the left and how their hatred of uh, Trump voters is going to come back to bite them. 
This is from Hugh, uh, his article running this morning. President Trump has an ace in his hole for the 2020 election. The media elite cannot express disdain for fellow citizens. Quote, Mitch McConnell, Barr, and almost everyone else in the GOP, Dowd opined, have made themselves numb to Trump's abhorrent actions because of self-interest, end quote. There you have it. In Dowd's world, and Dowd is one of the tribunes of the Manhattan Beltway media elite, almost every person who supports Trump today does so because of self-interest. Read self-interest as greed, or lust for power or position, or however you care to read it. By Dowd's assessment, no one can possibly support Trump without being corrupt. Ignored is the fact that Trump has delivered on his crucial pledges concerning the judiciary and defense spending. Trump has put 100-plus judges on the federal bench, including two on the Supreme Court, 41 on federal circuit courts, with two more pending, and dozens and dozens on federal trial courts. He strongly supported dramatic increases in defense spending. The roaring economy and the tax cuts and deregulation that power it speaks for itself. But for Dowd and her colleagues in New York, Washington, L.A., and Silicon Valley, none of this record matters. To support Trump is to be morally flawed. Let's face it. Most of the media thinks most Trump supporters are stupid or evil. Incredibly, secular elites have appointed themselves judges of moral character. Trump's record is far from perfect, of course. The aluminum and steel tariffs on allies were awful choices. The pipeline of nominees to circuit courts has inexplicably run dry. There is still no serious detailed plan to get the 355-ship Navy fleet Trump promised. Most of his supporters wish for him to lay off Twitter and his personal attacks on opponents, even when those opponents swing at him daily. They would prefer the president take his no-collusion, no-obstruction win and pocket it while talking endlessly about the economy, the judges, the defense budget, and deregulation. Still, there are far more positive than negatives. Despite his biggest mistakes, the media are not the enemy of the people, writes you. And I'm going to disagree with you on this one, by the way. Personal Bob France opinion here. I believe they absolutely are, as evidenced yesterday by the Time magazine story that we discussed and the retweeting and repeating of it by countless numbers of media without ever verifying the uh, media information to be correct about Donald Trump and Joe Biden and Kim Jong-un. So I disagree with you on that line. But Hugh continues, uh, his indifference to staffing the government is sometimes maddening, and a few of his appointees were simply not qualified. Trump has generally kept the promises he made during the campaign. Dowd's damning indictment calls to mind Hillary Clinton's basket of deplorables comment. Americans outside of New York City, Washington, L.A., and Silicon Valley deeply resent the contempt these elites have for ordinary people. That's you and me. That contempt when openly displayed, always boomerangs. Dowd is channeling the left's searing disdain for the great silent majority, which was there in the days of Richard Nixon, which showed up again in 2016. For 50 years, the left has been flipping off the apolitical as well as the quiet, moderate, and conservative citizens who go to work in church, who raise families in somewhat prosaic fashion, but who also vote regularly. To be accused of supporting Trump for evil reasons is, of course, to be accused of doing evil. To refuse to acknowledge the legitimate principles and policies that motivate millions of Trump voters is to brand all Trump supporters as without principles. This contempt of the left for ordinary Americans is not new. We saw it directed at George W. Bush, the stupid cowboy, his father, the wimp factor, President Ronald Reagan, another cowboy, President Gerald Ford played football without a helmet. President Richard Nixon, Tricky Dick, decades before Watergate got that name.
The media conveniently forgets that every Republican president has had to campaign and govern against both the Democrats and their auxiliary troops in the Manhattan Beltway media elite. Insults and invectives are not how you win elections, though they are great at winning applause and handshakes from other elites. That's Hugh Hewitt in the Washington Post, and I thought it was brilliant on point, almost probably 95% of it. I disagreed with a short part of it uh, uh, with respect to the media not being the enemy of the people. I think Hugh, in my view, just wrote an entire column explaining how and why the media are the enemy of the people. Because they don't give people the truth. Uh, they don't give the uh, reader the opportunity to make up their own mind. Every story is slanted. Everything has an editorial bias to it in the mainstream media today. And that is indeed uh, a tool of the enemy of the people. So I disagree with you on that part. But the rest of it was spot on. While the media continues to make public its open disdain and disregard and disgust of Trump supporters, it drives Trump supporters together. It unites us. It brings people in under the tent, under the Trump tent, that maybe weren't even there before because of some of the, some of the other things you talked about, because of his tweeting habits, because of his language, because of this, that, or the other thing, whatever you know, mild problems you might have with the president that might make you kind of consider not being in, in his camp. Um, it, it wipes it out and says, you know what, I'm absolutely in this camp because they hate me for supporting him at all. I'm going to support him even more. One other quick note. Hugh talked about the left trying to proclaim, or trying to claim, rather, the high ground on matters of morality. Trying to profess that they are the ones with the morality and the integrity on their side. They are the judges of moral character, as uh, as you wrote. I gave a speech to the Cuyahoga Valley Republicans last Thursday. Was it last Thursday or Thursday before that? I guess it was Thursday before that. My apologies. So about almost two weeks or a little over a week. But I gave that speech to the Cuyahoga Valley Republicans, and I talked about exactly that. And I will say to you now on the air what I said at the end of that, that speech. I will put my and our morality up against that of the party of death. I will put my morality up against the party that wants babies to be dismembered at a higher rate, the party that believes that your religious liberty should be compromised if it offends somebody else's sensibilities. I will put my and our morality when it comes to the importance of the American nuclear family and how it has been the bedrock of this society, I will put my and our morality up against theirs every day of the week and twice on Sundays, especially twice on Sundays. Congressman Jim Jordan joins me next on... All right, 934 now. The Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer, I just uh, got word. We are going to hear from um, Ohio State Auditor Keith Faber, uh, who's going to be joining us here in about 15 minutes after we talk to Congressman Jordan. We're trying to get Congressman Jordan on the line now. Um, but but uh, State Auditor Keith Faber is going to be joining us. He lives in Salina. So uh, I understand when the tornadoes that touched down there in that Dayton area... Um, 
not only was it devastating, um, it was also very unifying, uh, the, the story of people pulling together there. We're going to hear it from Keith Faber firsthand. He lives in Salina, and that conversation will be coming up at about 9.50. I'm told we do have Congressman Jordan on the line right now, so let's go ahead and uh, talk to Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, also on the Oversight Committee. Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Good to be with you today. Now, I understand you're taking a drive down there to that uh, yeah. uh, that tornado-ravaged area Salina, as well, yeah, we right? Just, yeah, we just, uh, in fact, we we just got to Salina, and uh, it's right on the edge of our district. Uh, we have a, just a little bit of Mercer County just south of uh, the city limits, uh, mm-hmm. south of the lake here a little bit. But So we're, um, we just got here. We're going to meet with the commissioner and the mayor and, and, and see uh, see what, see all the things, all the bad things that happened here. But <clears throat> like you said, the uh, when when bad things happen, good people uh, help each other out, and that uh, we're seeing that all over the state. So that's that's one of the encouraging things when you have these kind of these kind of disasters. No question about it. And I'm sure they will be glad to get your support and to be down there and uh, and to lend whatever aid you can, uh, Congressman. Let's uh, let's dive into the, to the importance of uh, of the news right now on the Hill. Uh, the left is not even on the Hill really, because a bunch of these people aren't even in Washington anymore in an official capacity, despite continuing to have security clearance, which is part of what I want to ask you about. President Trump uh, told the Attorney General uh, to declassify virtually yep. every document from the Russia probe, uh, so that we, the American people. People can have true transparency and see exactly what was going on that led to uh, the spying on American citizens or the quote-unquote surveillance of American citizens. They hate the word spying. Uh, and everything that led to uh, the, the Mueller investigation. And suddenly the left, which is always screaming that the Trump administration is trying to have a cover-up, um, they're screaming, <laughs> wait a minute, you can't, tra- you can't make all of those things declassified so people can see them? Why don't you cover them up? That's what they're saying. Yeah. Exactly. If this was about a Republican administration, they'd want all that information available. But of course, it's about the Obama administration and Mr. Comey and and Miss Lynch and McCabe and all these all these folks. So uh, yeah, but what I really think is interesting though is how they're all they're all speaking up now. Comey just did this big op-ed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was a week and a half ago where Brennan says I didn't tell Comey to put the dossier in the intelligence assessment, and Comey said yes, you did. You told me to put it in the intelligence assessment. And then you had. Loretta Lynn said, I didn't tell Jim Comey to call the Clinton investigation a matter, and Comey testified, yes, she did tell me. So they're all pointing at each other, and I think it's because they know that the Attorney General of the United States is determined to get the truth. And what the President did last week when he said, declassify this information so the Attorney General can see it and do his investigation, and then the Attorney General can make a decision on on what information he thinks the American people have a right to see as well. When you uh, listen to uh, James Comey and when you read his op-ed, I mean, I I, 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 I see a guy who's running scared. I see a guy who literally is terrified. In fact, all three of them are, uh, quite frankly. Clapper and Brennan, and you even mentioned Lynch, of course, too, with the disagreement about who said what and who told whom to do what. Do you think that they literally fear that Bill Barr, I mean, uh, Bill Barr has, has become public enemy number one for the Democrats on Capitol Hill. Is it because they know that the three people that we just mentioned, maybe four if you go to uh, Loretta Lynch, and you've talked about this before, too, Congressman, all the way up to the President of the United States, Barack Obama. I'm, I'm, I'm reading and listening to a bunch of people who are afraid that they may indeed be facing more than just some negative press, but they may actually be facing criminal charges. Yeah, they're going to face the truth, and that's the most important thing. Bill Barr is determined to get to the truth. He's, going to, he's put uh, uh, Mr. Durham in charge uh, of the investigation, the, the U.S. attorney from, from Connecticut. Uh, they're going to get there. Now, we see all kinds of evidence that sure looks like spying took place. 
Bill Barr testified. I think we talked about this last week. Bill Barr testified a few weeks ago in the Senate, and he said some powerful things. He said, first of all, spying took place. He said, second, there was a failure of leadership at the upper echelon of the FBI. We certainly know that was the case when you think about Comey, McCabe, Baker, Strzok, Page, and all these people who have been fired, demoted, or left the FBI. And then he said that the, probably the most, the most scary thing in my mind was when he talked about political surveillance and he talked about unauthorized surveillance. And that's what he wants to find out. Did, was this politically motivated? And so many facts that we have learned over the last two years seem to indicate that it was. He's going to get to the bottom of it, and that's what I look forward to, and I know your listeners do as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one thing. And again, it's, it's so funny to listen to the left scream uh, about how this should not happen. Uh, this is this is you know. In fact, there was a a, a, a tweet from Adam Schiff from back in uh, twenty seventeen that was that resurfaced today, uh, saying that. The pre- actually 2016, before Barack Obama left office, this is before Donald Trump actually took over, it was in the transition period, I believe it was, he mm-hmm. said that President Barack Obama should declassify as many Russian documents as possible so the American people can know what's going on. He said, and I quote yeah. at the end of the tweet, because we know Trump won't, <laughs> now Trump's doing it, and Adam yeah. Schiff is saying, no, no, don't do that. It's just, it's no, embarrassing. The, the double, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, I heard someone say something, Think about that. The, the Democrats still want to say there was some kind of obstruction of justice in the, you know, the Mueller report and all this. But think about this. Remember when uh, Loretta Lynch meets with Bill Clinton on the tarmac three days before Hillary Clinton is going to be interviewed by the FBI? Remember when, when Secretary Clinton says, I'll only turn over half of my emails because the other half I have deemed, me and my lawyers have deemed as personal? Remember when she destroyed Bleach Bit and everything? So, but no one, nonetheless, was talking about obstruction of justice then. But now we've had a 22-month investigation with 30-some million dollars, 19 Democrat lawyers, and they, they don't find obstruction of justice, but the left keeps saying, oh, but there's obstruction of justice there. This, this double standard, and this is probably more than anything else, what drives Americans crazy. Your listeners, people, regular common sense folks say, I am tired of the double standard, one set of rules for Hillary Clinton and her side, and a different set for us regular folks. And that, that, that is so wrong. And again, that's why what Bill Barr is doing is of the utmost importance. Congressman, I want to ask you about one of your colleagues, um, literally your colleagues, not on the other side of the aisle, but your side, at least in theory. Justin Amash uh, last week called for President Trump's impeachment, and now yesterday spent I don't know how many uh, tweets uh, in a massive tweet storm, Yeah, uh, again attacking the President of the United States and uh, proclaiming uh, that he has obstructed justice, this, that, and even more. What's, uh, what's going on and what can the Republican yeah. caucus do, if anything, about this member of their own, which is uh, siding with the Democrats in such a public way? Well, we, 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 uh, I mean, he's wrong. Um, and we in the Freedom Caucus, we all, we all took a vote and every single one of us said that we strongly disagree with the position he's taken. I think, uh, Justin is missing a, a couple key things when he goes through his analysis, namely what we just talked about. He leaves out the fact that they used this dossier to start this whole thing. He leaves out the fact that they had, they planted an informant, this Azra Turk lady, uh, with Papadopoulos to try to set them up. So that, that that's the spying that Bill Barr referred to when he testified in front of the Senate. So he leaves out some of the the important facts on the front end. And of course, there's just this 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 kind of fundamental takeaway when there was no underlying problem, when there was no collusion. It's really tough to go to court and say, well, we think there was obstruction of justice, even though there was no underlying crime. And so that stuff seems to get left out in the analysis Justin goes through. And again, I just I just think he's wrong. I think you would you would agree with me that he's he's wrong in his analysis. 
and every single member of the Freedom Caucus has said the same thing. Yeah, and and I, the Freedom Caucus, have you officially censured him uh, as a as a caucus? We, we did not. We uh, we but we we took a we took a vote because we we uh, I assumed that was the case, and and, mm-hmm. and certainly was uh, to a person. Uh, every single member has said. We strongly disagree with um, the conclusions that he's reached. I, I hope that is something that Leader McCarthy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I would hope that's something Leader McCarthy will consider in the leadership of the Republicans in the House would consider because this is just and, and it's not just his call for impeachment. What he is doing to the integrity of of Attorney General Barr is also just completely uh, unwarranted and and it and it's and it's not right. I mean, he again in that tweet storm. Let, let me just for those who don't know. Barr has so far success, this is what Justin Amash wrote yesterday on Twitter, used his position to sell the president's false narrative to the American people. This will continue if those who have read the report do not start pushing back on the misrepresentation and share the truth. He is saying that Bill Barr lied when he said that the Mueller report did not exonerate the president on collusion and did not not make a judgment. In other words, there is no proof or evidence of uh, obstruction. He is essentially saying that Bill Barr is lying. I don't understand how that can stand. I, I don't either, uh, and as I've said, I think Bill Barr has um, handled himself in exactly the fashion that the people of this great country want a um, want an attorney general to operate. And, and so, uh, again, I've been impressed with him. I had a chance to visit with, with the attorney general last week. Um, he is determined, as I said before, he is determined to find out what exactly took place. And all the evidence seems to suggest that what the FBI did what the, the the folks in the Obama administration Justice Department did to um, to the president and his campaign and then President elect Trump and then it seemed to, it continued even as he was president all up until you know May seventeenth when they named the special counsel what all took place there he's going to get to the bottom of. Congressman, last thing before you run, I want to ask you about Iran because there's obviously a little bit of uh, uh, disruption, if you will, in the in the administration over this. Uh, President Trump seems to be at odds with his uh, uh, national security advisor, John Bolton, on on what to do about Iran. He's also made some strong statements uh, saying that if Iran uh, dares to uh, uh, threaten the United States again, Iran will be no more. Um, is the president beating war drums here, and how do you feel about his stand on wh- where we are now with that relationship compared to uh, uh former Ambassador Bolton? Well, for me, what this underscores is um, how how appropriate it was for the president to get out of the, that, that I call it the crazy Iran deal that the Obama administration entered into. Uh, the president and, and the administration has taken the position that they're going to increase our presence in the area. Um, we know the president doesn't want to get into any type of military conflict with Iran. That's, that, that's obviously a last kind of resort. So he's, I think, taken the appropriate actions out of the Iran deal, putting more forces, more show of forces there in the region, and 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 saying, look, we're gonna we're gonna do what what the United States has to do. I think that's the right approach, and um, you know, we'll we'll see how things uh, play out here over the next uh, next several weeks and months. Uh, does that square at all uh, with the president's order of several months ago now that doesn't seem to have been followed um, to to uh, vacate Syria, to essentially pull all of our troops or almost all of our troops from Syria now rather than to send, you know, bringing more out of the Middle East, we're sending more over? Well, remember when he when he made that declaration he, that, that we still kept the presence there, there was a strong debate. There were people like Senator Graham who disagreed with uh, a complete withdrawal from Syria, and we still have some presence there. Um, again, Iran is the Iran is the, the the bad, the really really bad actor in this part of the world. Our best ally, Israel, understands that. Uh, they know how dangerous Iran is, and I think they appreciate the position the president's taken both on the Iran treaty deal, uh, well, 
you know, getting out of that crazy agreement and, and of course, the, the, the position he's taken now with an in, increased presence uh, there in the Persian Gulf. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much, sir. I know you got a busy morning, uh, especially down there in Salina, so uh, I wish you the very best. Uh, please pass along you all bet. of our support to uh, the good folks down there. Thanks, Thanks so much, Bob, sir. Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer, it's 947. We're going to get a timeout now because on the other side of this, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we were able to track down State Auditor Keith Faber, uh, who is a resident of Salina, and he is going to give us an update on how things are down there. Obviously, that tornado uh, touchdown in, uh, in t- tornado touchdowns all over the Midwest, for crying out loud, Oklahoma, Kansas, Ohio as well. Uh, but Salina has been uh, among the most hard, uh, the hardest hit in the Buckeye State, and uh, Keith Faber is a resident there, and he's going to join us to talk about what the scene looks like and uh, how the people there are getting uh, uh, getting through all of this. So that conversation is coming up next, right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on one hundred two point five FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, 9.52 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to Congressman Jordan, who is uh, who joined us uh, to talk about everything going on in Washington, but while on his way to Salina to uh, observe some of the uh, tornado damage. And I told you right before we talked to Congressman Jordan, that we were going to check in with a resident of Salina, uh, Ohio's own Auditor of State, uh, Keith Faber, joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Mr. Auditor, good morning. Good to talk to you, sir. How are you? Good morning. Uh, I'm doing well today. Thank you for, for coming on. I, uh, I heard uh, from, uh, uh, from uh, Cuyahoga County Republican Party Chair Rob Frost, of course, that you um, uh, had a story to relate to us about uh, the tornadoes, the storm damage, and uh, what is going on in Salina. It is your hometown, and, uh, and I would very much like to, to get a firsthand account of what's going on there, sir. Sure. Well, first of all, Salina is a great community. Uh, the, the storm is... is deadly and damaging as it was has a good side if you can find a good side in, in something like this and the communities really come together i was out there all day yesterday we, we uh, toured the area with the governor and then i stayed out there the rest of the day and then came back out uh, with my son and helped clean up and, and passed out uh, stuff to folks who were who were suffering and you know what's amazing to me in about a business day uh, starting yesterday morning until about five o'clock yesterday actually the community was out there in strength uh, those houses while they're still structurally uh, devastated, most of them, or a lot of them are going to have to be torn down. But their yards and all the debris has been neatly picked up and put along the side of the street for the city to come gather. You know, that's pretty amazing that in one work day they had enough volunteers across this community and across this county to come out and take care of that. I, I laughed. I said, you know, one of the things we know in rural Ohio is a lot of guys know how to operate equipment. And so we had a, a literally uh, a litter army, army of uh, skid steers and and tractors with loaders out there moving stuff around and picking and cleaning stuff up for folks. Uh, that's the type of community we live in. Um, I went through a couple of yards, and actually one guy was actually mowing his lawn after it had been cleared of debris. That's the wow. kind of pride people have in their community. Um, that, that's the good side. Uh, but you've got stories like my son's uh, eighth grade. My son's uh, just going to be a freshman next year in high school. And his eighth grade football coach and his eighth grade and seventh grade wrestling coach um, had his house totally destroyed. Uh, he's a, he just got married not long ago, a young guy. Uh, he's a teacher in the school system. And, and the story he tells uh, is pretty amazing. 
um, they they lost power and uh, were watching Netflix, just getting ready to go to bed. And uh, he and his his, his new wife uh, literally crouched in their bathtub in their bathroom, like you're supposed to if you don't have a basement. And it, it they didn't have a basement. It was a, you know it was a starter home. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything in the house is pretty much destroyed except that bathroom. And uh, so they survived. Um, and uh, but. He, uh, his hobby, uh, was, uh, demo derby cars, and this is rural Ohio. And, uh, it was, uh, his, his workshop behind his house, and his demo derby car was literally thrown three houses away. Uh, wow. a, an 8,000 pound demo derby car thrown three houses away. Amazing what, what the storm did. You've got, you've got houses that were wiped clean of their foundation. Uh, you've got brick houses that were destroyed, wood houses that were destroyed, although the Brickmans candidly survived a little better. Uh, I was talking to another guy last night as we were taking him some Gatorade and some water as he was locking up his door. And uh, he, he's a guy that helped me coach soccer uh, when our boys played soccer together. And uh, he just moved into this relatively new house uh, about a year ago, and it's going to need almost torn down and rebuilt. And so they're talking about going to rent a house uh, for, for the time it's going to take to get back on their feet. Uh, it's a resilient community, but it, it, it took a body blow. Well, you know, I'm I'm looking, uh, Mr. Faber, at at aerial footage right now, drone video of the damage, and I have to tell you, um, I am amazed that there were there was only one fatality, and as horrible as one is, I am surprised. I think the the numbers, the last numbers I saw were around 130 injured, one fatality, and then obviously all of this property damage. But I mean, there's there's nothing left of so many of these homes, and and the devastation would be enough to drive a lot of people, maybe in a lot of towns, uh, into a deep depression. Uh, and, and rather than that, it sounds like the people of Salina said, "Let's you know uh, put the work boots on and let's get this thing taken care of here," and that is indeed if there is as you say a good side or a, a silver lining to this terrible story it is that the people there seem very resilient and ready to take on this challenge head on uh, you're exactly right uh, you know what amazed me again within the day's time now we had decent weather yesterday until yesterday afternoon and evening i, I laughed i said i live on the west uh, on, on the east side of town and this hit on the west side of town mm-hmm. um and uh, we didn't have hardly any damage in our property last night's storm came through and uh, rip siding off our, our barn and off of our house. Uh, that was the second storm. That was a different storm last night that came through. But I laughed when my wife was, was talking about the damage. I said, that's nothing. I'll get up there with a hammer today and fix it. Uh, at least our house isn't damaged structurally. Um, the people out there are dealing with, with houses that are, are literally gone. Uh, you have roofs that are off of houses. You have houses that have walls. And, um, the uh, high school basketball coach. Uh, he, he lost the entire, um, it would have been his, the entire south side of his house, um, was gone, just, just gone. And they came in yesterday with a crew and put a temporary wall all the way up to the roof. And you got to look at his optimism. He said, well, I wanted to expand the size of my garage anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, and, and, that's and, classic. You know, that's wonderful. And, and, uh, his, his big concern as the storm hit, was um, his next-door neighbors. And you look at their house, their house is gone, a roof and the whole, uh, it'd be the north side of their house is gone. And so he rushed over the light. He was convinced that he'd find somebody hurt, and they were in the basement safe. Um, you know, the, the Salina number yesterday, and I, I might have changed, there were certainly people with minor injuries, but there were seven significant injuries and the one fatality, a total of eight people. Um, of the seven significant injuries, three of them were serious, including a couple that had to be life-lighted. 
And, and as of yesterday, we had not had the reports back on those folks. Um, but our first responders, our police, our fire did a remarkable job. They went to every house and made sure that uh, people were identified. Um, you know, you have to give your hats off. I know you do every day anyway, but you have to give your hats off to those first responders. Oh, goodness, uh, our yes. sheriff deputies, our, our police, our firemen, uh, those, those, those folks that were out there. Um, and, and one of them I was talking to, heck, my mayor, uh, a good friend of mine uh, here in town, uh, he was talking about the fact he'd gotten 45 minutes sleep in the last 36 hours. Um, and so they're, they're working hard. They're trying to figure it out. And uh, I think they're, they've got it. They've got a good handle on it. The last thing before you go, uh, Mr. Faber, and we appreciate your time, uh, as far as where these folks whose houses were so damaged, uh, who cannot stay there, local government, Mercer County government, uh, uh, taking care of these folks, uh, do they have places to stay? Are they staying with neighbors, friends? How are they doing that? Yeah, and that's that's the interesting question that we're trying to get a handle on. Uh, this county is, um, is, is fairly successful right now. Uh, it's got the lowest unemployment in the state. I think its unemployment numbers just came back at 1.9%. Wow. And so there's not a real, real big stock of empty houses or, or empty rental units. Um, the one gentleman I was talking to that I played soccer with, he said that uh, they'd been out yesterday looking at a couple of places, and they're going to rent an old farmhouse. Uh, and, and their response is, it's not in great condition, but it is available, and it has a roof that's not leaky. Um, so he and his family are going to move in there uh, for the summer. A lot of people we talk to are going to stay with friends or family. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the Ben Franklin quote, uh, friends and family like fish go bad after a few days. Uh, so <laughs> well said. people are trying to figure out that, that option. Um, you know, we're talking to some, some folks like Wright State Lake Campus, the college here in town, has some rental dorms um, that are probably going to be empty over the summer. Uh, people are talking to them to see if some of those can be made available for them. One of the uh, local hotels right on the lake um made uh, an announcement, um, the lady who owns that's a realtor here in town, and said, you know, we've got 11 rooms there. Um, we will make every one of those available at no cost to anybody who needs to stay wow. for as long as they need to stay. I love so how the folks the there are pulling together. Community. Yeah, I really do, Mr. Faber. Yeah. I, I love how the folks are pulling together there in all of those ways, to clean up debris, to clean up homes, to help people, to put people up and everything else. It's a, it's a great story of resiliency, and I'm so glad to get it. Keith Faber, the uh, auditor of the state of Ohio, who is a Salina resident, uh, giving us a firsthand account there. Our prayers, thoughts, and west, uh, best wishes are with you and everyone there in Salina, Mr. Faber, and I really appreciate you uh, coming on with us. Make sure you keep us posted on progress, okay? Thanks, and uh, to all your listeners and all the folks around Ohio, God bless you. Thanks for what you're doing. Uh, the uh, donation site that I was working and was at most of yesterday literally has too much stuff. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I love that sound. The word, Stop donating. Uh, and you got to love that. That is wonderful. That is, that is exactly how it ought to be. That's exactly how it ought to be. Uh, Mr. Mr. Faber, thank you once again, and uh, blessings to you and everyone there in Salina as well. Thank you, sir. It's 10.02. Let's catch up now and get to news. on Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.